In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies. It is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. On this episode, the story of the USS Salem, the most haunted ship in America. Going into the wardroom one night, and it was just him and one other person. They were the only ones on the ship. And one of the chairs in the wardroom moved out. And so they started, you know, said, oh, that's interesting. They started walking over towards that one. And then on the other side of the room, another chair pulled out and fell over. And at the same time, the uh, dentist's office is right across the corridor from the wardroom. And you can clearly hear the, the drill in the dentist's office. Did you know you can now stream episodes of this podcast on your mobile device? All you need is my new Conspiracy Unlimited app. It's absolutely free, and it's available for both iOS and Android devices. If you're a Conspiracy Unlimited Plus member, pay attention. You can now stream premium content from your mobile device. My free Conspiracy Unlimited app for iOS and Android. Available from the App Store and Google Play. Get yours today and start streaming Conspiracy Unlimited on your mobile device. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Wednesday. Willie Hassel is a podcaster and a filmmaker, and he's here to talk about the USS Salem, a Cold War-era cruiser, which is widely known as a hotbed of paranormal activity. In fact, some of the ship's volunteers say they've seen proof firsthand. It's been the subject of a number of investigations by the Greater Boston Paranormal Associates, 
Willie Hassel is a paranormal investigator, radio show host, photographer, writer, traveler, and host of Spirit Radio, the Paranormal Experience podcast, and he's the director of Soul of the Sea Witch. Willie, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? I'm good, Richard. How are you today? Terrific. Thank you. Now, you're up in New Hampshire. Uh, I am in New Hampshire, on the cold, chilly coast of New Hampshire. So take me down to Quincy, Massachusetts, where the USS Salem is uh, docked. What led to the Salem being commissioned in the first place? Well, the uh, the Salem actually was um, one of what was originally going to be 12... Uh, heavy cruisers for the United States Navy during World War II, but only three of them actually uh, got built, the uh, USS Des Moines, the USS Newport, and the last of which was the USS Salem. And by the time she was actually, she was, um, she was ordered in uh, 1943, but by the time the keel was laid down, it was July of 1945, the war was almost over. And so it was March of 1947 when she was launched after the war. So she never actually saw any any action in the war, but she did have uh, a lot of uh, a lot of things that that did happen and a lot of death associated with the ship. What is a heavy cruiser? It's a, well, basically, it's not a not a battleship. Uh, it's not a not a destroyer. It's a heavy cruiser. Is just that's the the class of uh, ship that it was called, and it is definitely a warship. I mean, it's uh, well well armed, and she was uh, for the time it was a uh, like state of the art um, warship, and she she was I mean no question about it. She was built for war. Give me the dimensions, uh, stern to bow and bow and and uh, its beam. Yep, she was seven hundred and seventeen feet uh, long, and the beam, I believe, was seventy nine, seventy seven feet, with a draft of twenty six feet. And what kind of uh, what kind of guns were mounted on the Salem? Oh, let's see. She had uh, nine eight inch fifty five caliber guns. 12 5-inch 38-caliber guns, 23-inch 50-caliber guns, and eight 20-millimeter guns. And the, and the crew? The crew was, um, I believe the crew was um, 1,300. Oh, there it is. Uh, 1,799 officers and enlisted. Wow, that's a big crew. Yeah, that's, that's a, a, a pretty big ship. So it's it's first after it was commissioned, uh, it was assigned to the Caribbean, correct? Yeah, she originally did her uh, shakedown cruising in the Caribbean waters and uh, made several trips to Guantanamo Bay in uh, Cuba, where she got the nickname the Gitmo Express, and then later after that went over to the Mediterranean, where she was the pride of the Sixth Fleet. And it was during the uh, its stint in the Mediterranean that it was put into a, a humanitarian role. Uh, there was a series of earthquakes in Greece, the Ionian earthquakes, I believe, in around 1956. Tell me about its mission. Uh, that was 1953, actually. Ah, and apologies. she was in the Mediterranean, so she responded to 
the Ionian Islands as uh, medical aid along with ships from several other countries. And she was like uh, used as a makeshift hospital. And so a lot of the, uh, the victims of the earthquake were brought onto the ship. And though the ship didn't see any uh, wartime action, this is one of the reasons why the ship is haunted because there was a number of people from the earthquake who died aboard the ship. And uh, some of the souls of those, of those people still linger on the ship. And and we'll uh, we'll get into that uh, a little bit later when we we um, we talk about Boston Paranormal, uh, Greater Boston Paranormal, and some of their investigations and uh, the uh, the infamous Butter Room, I guess, that was the used as the the temporary morgue. Um, then also there was uh, it saw some action, I guess, in uh, in in Lebanon, off the coast of Lebanon. Yeah, she was, uh, well, she was deployed in, um, let's see, I don't have the years right in front of me, but she was uh, um, deployed during the uh, Suez crisis and then again during the uh, Lebanon crisis um, where she didn't actually, the, the Marines were all set to go to go ashore, and but then they never actually had to uh, had to disembark the ship. So she was basically just there as a deterrent, and uh, she pretty good deterrent, I guess she was too. Now, uh, even though she wasn't really commissioned until the late forties, she mm, only forty nine. Uh, basically, the Salem is mothballed like a decade later, nineteen fifty nine or thereabouts. Sent to, I guess they called it the Atlantic Fleet, which was the mothball fleet. <laughs> Yeah, there's uh, only a, a short career of 10 years. In uh, 19, January 30th of 1959, she was decommissioned and sent to the Mothball Fleet in uh, Philadelphia. And that's where she just sat rotting away until uh, 1994 when the USS Salem Association leased the ship and had it brought back to Quincy, Massachusetts where she now serves as the part of the uh, United States Navy Shipbuilding Museum. And uh, an interesting fact about that is that uh, she was built right there in Quincy at the uh, Four River Shipyard. And so now, all those years later, she is right back home, not more than 100 yards from where she was built. Remarkable. Why at the, at the I guess, kind of the beginning of the Cold War was the USS Salem mothballed? That that is a good question. Um, I guess it was just bigger and better ships, uh, and you know, bigger and better ways of fighting wars were coming along, and uh, apparently the Navy just didn't think it was going to keep up anymore. But I, I I don't know. It's a it's a very good question, really. What happened in the uh, the um, was it the Brooklyn uh, shipyards? There was a fire. Uh, yes, the Brooklyn Navy Yard. Uh, she was uh, rafted alongside another Navy ship called the USS Cleveland. And uh, I don't know the year on that one, but it was the other ship, actually, uh, the Cleveland, that had a fire and an explosion. And so a number of uh, men were were injured or killed in that, and they were, again, brought onto the uh, Salem, which was rafted right next door. And... Um, they had some uh, bad burn victims, and so 
those are uh, another of the uh, the hauntings that uh, continue on the Salem t- uh, today. So, Willie, when did you become first acquainted with the USS Salem? Oh, I, I first went a number of years ago, one time on a, uh, a paranormal investigation. It was probably about six or seven years ago. And then I hadn't, you know, I hadn't had anything to do with it in, in years. And um, then uh, a couple of years ago, I went, uh, I, I met Don DeCristofaro, who, who runs the uh, the paranormal on the ship now. I met him. So me and a, another friend went down. We did an investigation with him one night. And it, it's just a really, really cool, cool ship. And then it was last summer, I was... Uh, I was just kind of looking for a project to do, and I happened to be uh, looking on Facebook, and I saw Don uh, a picture, and he had been uh, filming an episode for the Travel Channel of uh, World's Most Terrifying Places, I believe it was. And so I just said, hmm, hey, uh, there's my access. That would be an excellent project. So I, I called him, and I you know, ran the idea by him, and he, he thought it was a great idea. And so he got me permission to film on the ship, and it was it was a blast. I had essentially I had a 717 foot navy ship all to myself with unrestricted access for about two months. It, it was fun. You know, we hear so much about the Queen Mary, which is mm. uh, a ship turned into a, a hotel in uh, I guess Long Beach, California, as being yeah. one of the most haunted locations in America. And prior to seeing your documentary, The Soul of the Sea Witch, I, I wasn't really familiar with the USS Salem. And and lo and behold, that's being heralded as uh, one of the most haunted locations in all the world, or certainly in, in, in America. Why do we hear so much it, it, about the Queen Mary and not so much about the USS Salem? I, I Well, the Queen Mary is, of course, is more famous, but I think with the Salem, even though it has been known to be haunted for a number of years, I think it is just recently that the uh, Greater Boston Paranormal Associates has really brought it to uh, to the forefront um, after being on a couple of TV shows and, and doing a lot of uh, public investigations. I, th- I think they have really brought it out and brought it to the public's attention. So... Uh, we we mentioned the Greater Boston Paranormal, and uh, there's um, you mentioned uh, Don De Cristofaro, mm-hmm. uh, and also Pat Connors. Let's start with Pat Connors. He he tells an interesting story about a ghost dog uh, yes. that's been spotted aboard the ship. Yeah, um, they they assumed that the dog was uh, was brought aboard the ship during the earthquake in Greece, and. A number of people, I, I guess they say, I haven't personally heard it, but they, they say if you spend enough time on the ship, eventually you will hear the dog. It, uh, you know, I, I guess, yeah, people actually have seen it too, and they, and they will hear it barking. So it's apparently another another casualty of the uh, of the earthquake, but it's uh, it was an interesting story. And... Um was it uh, an associate member of the Greater Boston Paranormal? It was a, a woman, Pat Connors mentioned, who had actually uh, seen it. She she, she yeah, saw she this was, shadowy form. 
Yeah, she was another another member of the Greater Boston Paranormal Team. What did she see exactly? Well, apparently, uh, as he describes in the film, they were doing uh, an EVP session in the barber shop, and suddenly she just said, "Oh my God, there it is!" and what? And she took off running down the hall. And, you know, nobody knew what she was talking about. And finally, she came back. Well, what did you see? And she said, I saw the dog. And she just apparently, the as they were doing the EVP, the dog just stopped in the doorway, kind of looked in at them. Uh, it barked and then just turned and ran down the hallway. And she went off chasing it and, and of course, never found it because it, it was a ghost dog. So inside the ship, inside the USS Salem, is it pretty much uh, as it was when it was decommissioned in 1959? All the equipment is still there, all the, the, the furnishings? Yes, it is, mostly. They do have one section that has been rebuilt as a museum where they have exhibits. But most of the ship is just as it was uh, back when it was uh, – in service, I mean, you could almost, walking through the ship, you could almost, you know, think that you were on, on board back during the, uh, the, the 40s. It, uh, they even have uh, the uh, dentist's office uh, with all, all the instruments. There's even a, a set of uh, false teeth laying on the table. Hmm. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the surgeon's room, everything is set up as it was back in the day. Uh, so actually, most of the ship is like that. But like I say, there is a small area that has been uh, updated as a museum. Uh, tell it, me. Like, oh, go ahead. Is, I was just going to say, it's like walking back in time. Yeah. And you describe the smell, which is difficult to describe. You call it the gray smell. Uh, this is not your term. This is, I guess, a term no. that sailors use to discuss or to describe the smell aboard a, an old ship. What is the gray smell? Well, uh, that's all I could really say about it is it's a term that the sailors use and it's just that, I guess, that certain smell that uh, that a ship has from from the, uh, you know, the engine rooms and the grease and, and the salt water and it, it just kind of takes on a, a sort of a smell. Rusting and, metal? Yeah, rusting metal, yeah, and that's how they describe it. I hadn't actually never heard that term until I first went on the ship and uh, started the uh, process of doing this film. And how difficult is it to get, can you do like an overnight investigation aboard the USS Salem or is it only, do you have to do it during public hours when it's when the museum is open? Uh, no, they, uh, they don't do overnights right now. I mean, not all night, but they do uh, night investigations from about seven o'clock to midnight, uh, somewhere in that area. So it's it's not during uh, regular business hours. So whoever is doing the investigations, they're the only ones that are on the ship. And uh, he does uh, a certain number of public investigations every year. The I believe he's doing one more this year on November 17th, and that will be the last one for the year because it's just too cold. There's no uh, there's no heat on the ship. It's very cold in the winter. And you're talking, when you say they, you mean uh, Greater Boston uh, Paranormal. Greater Boston. Greater and Boston, yes. Don DeCristofaro. Right. Uh, Don is a big, burly guy. He's ex-Navy himself. <laughs> he is. Uh, he kind of 
threw the gauntlet down and challenged uh, one of the uh, the ghosts on board, who's described yeah. as being kind of an angry, aggressive uh, serviceman. To tell me about that. Yeah, uh, he had heard about him, and uh, he uh, he went in one night as one of his very first investigations on the ship, I believe it was, and like you say, he challenged him. He says, I've heard you're some kind of a badass, and, uh, you know, I'm, I think I'm more of a badass than you ever were, so if you got anything, well, let's let's see it right now. And then nothing happened. Nothing happened at all the rest of that night. And it was, uh, I believe, a couple of years, I think it was later, when he was leading a, uh, a ghost hunt on the ship. They were in the, it was the third mess where this happened, and... Uh, all of a sudden, one of the uh, one of the psychics that was with him said, "He's here," and he, Don says, "What do you mean he's here? Who's here? What are you talking about?" And he doesn't like you. <laughs> um, apparently, uh, it was the uh, the spirit of uh, one of the one of the uh, ship's cooks, and I I don't know. Don thinks probably the reason he's kind of kind of grumbly is because he has the opinion that why are all these people just hanging around doing nothing when I'm working so hard? Hmm. Um, and then he, uh, like I say, uh, he was, he was there and, uh, Don always, all of a sudden felt this really icy cold chill down his back. And, and that's when the psychic said, she's said that he is here. And there was actually more to that story than got into the film. A few minutes later, they, you know, after this, took place, they continued on with their investigation when all of a sudden one of the, I think it was the same psychic, noticed that Don had not been moving. He had uh, been just standing in the same place for about 15 or 20 minutes. So she went over and said, what's what's going on? What's, what's the matter with you? And then he kind of woke up and said, what do you mean? What are you talking about? She said, you've been, you've been standing here for like 15 minutes. You haven't moved. No, you're crazy. Of course I have. And then he looked down, and his fists fists were clenched so hard that the the fingernails were actually digging in, and he was bleeding. My, my. And, and, uh, you know, he thinks that uh, it was the the ghost of the cook was... It was like he was in a trance or something. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, he was, he was he basically he was he was in a trance for uh, for fifteen twenty minutes and he didn't didn't realize it and until she brought him out of it. So that part actually didn't get into the uh, into the film, but that was the that was the rest of the story. How what what other encounters have there been with this angry aggressive uh, cook? That is the only one that I've heard of um, in regards to the cook myself any idea who who he might have been i mean we know he he was likely a cook but are we able to identify him by name based on the ship records they are working on that they're they're trying to identify a lot of the spirits on the ship but uh as of last i have heard they they don't know who he was more of my conversation with willie hassel when conspiracy unlimited returns 
Let's get Colleen Ferguson here. She's the manager of our full script dispensary at strangeplanet.ca. Hey, Colleen, how are you? I'm wonderful, Richard. How are you? Terrific, thank you. But we're heading into cold and flu season. What do we have at full script to help people support their respiratory health? We have a product called ViraCare. It's, it's by a manufacturer called Patient One. And this product is designed to be used when you feel a cold coming on. So it's not a daily support, but it's something you want to have available in your cabinet when you start to feel not your best. You take a concentrated dose over an initial 12-hour period, and then the next day you take a smaller dose, but it's to knock out anything that might be trying to you know, attack your immune system and to give it a big boost. Fantastic. ViraCare to support your respiratory health. Go to strangeplanet.ca, click on the full script dispensary button. There's a 10% discount on all the products there and free delivery on all orders over $50. Thanks again, Colleen. Thank you, Richard. Take care. These products have not been evaluated by the FDA and are not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure. If you have a medical concern, please consult your healthcare provider. If there's one thing money can't buy, it's sanity. (laughs) Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Willie Hassel, the director of Soul of the Sea Witch, is here. We mentioned the Ionian earthquakes, and the ghost dog may have been from that humanitarian mission taken aboard the ship during the earthquakes. Uh... I believe his name is Sam Batrusis, who is an author. I'm, I'm yes. not sure if he's also with the Greater Boston Paranormal. Um, uh, no, he's not. But he, I think he wrote a book called Wicked Salem. Yes, he, uh, he has written uh, quite a number of books. And actually, the funny thing is, Wicked Salem isn't about the ship. It's about the, the city of Salem. Right, Salem, from which the ship gets its name. Exactly, right. And uh, Batrusis talks about... Uh, a ghost child, also likely, I guess, from the Ionian oh, yeah. mission. Tell me about that. Right. Yeah, yeah. One uh, one of his visits to the ship, he was down in the uh, birthing area, which is where, of course, where the crew slept. And he walked in, and he felt he felt like a child. Uh, no, actually, first he saw the child. That's right. And he just kind of looked at the child. The child looked at him, and then it just sort of rushed at him and, and disappeared. And then right after that, he felt, he heard somebody running up the uh, gangway out of the, uh, out of the birthing area. And of course there was, there was nobody around there. There was no child anywhere, but that was, that was one of his, uh, one of his experiences on the ship. Have other people seen this child? I I think they have, yes. I'm, I'm not actually sure about that. But I think other people have seen him. Uh, him or her. I think it was a little girl, actually. Uh, the one that uh, a lot of people have seen is a, there's a sailor who walks by the, uh, down the corridors, by the, uh, one of the mess halls, and he just walks. This is quite common. He just walks from forward to aft, and he, you can yell, scream at him. He won't, uh, he won't, won't look, won't do anything. He just walks by, always forward to aft. Then this, this could happen uh, several times, and within a few minutes, or 
you may never may never see him again for a while. But uh, he is he is one of the regular apparitions that is seen aboard the ship. Um, don't know at you know at what point he was stationed on the ship, and all I can figure is it was probably probably a good time in his life, and so that's where he uh, that's where he ended up uh, staying after after he died. He's uh, he's not an intelligent haunt. He, haunt. He's uh, you know he just. Uh, just just comes when he when he wants doesn't pay any attention to anybody when when you say he's not an intelligent haunt you meaning that there doesn't appear to be consciousness there it's just mm. it's almost like it's it's a it's a memory or a, an echo of uh you know a, a, a times past it's just kind of on on constant replay yes exactly that's that's what i was getting at uh, he, he doesn't interact yeah he, he is just uh He's part of the part of the soul of the ship. Are there uh, spirits on the ship that do interact? There, there are. Um, one one experience that uh, Don talks about a lot was going into the uh, the ward room one night, and uh, it was just him and one other person. They were only the only ones on the ship. And one of the chairs in the wardroom moved out, and so they started, you know, said, well, that's interesting. They started walking over towards that one, and then on the other side of the room, another chair pulled out and fell over. And at the same time, the uh, dentist's office is right across the corridor from the wardroom, and you can clearly hear the, the drill in the dentist's office. So it was, it was like there was a spirit that was trying to get their attention and leading them over to the dentist's office for, for whatever reason. And they have also seen in that same area um, Don and one of the other uh, investigators were sitting there one night and they saw, uh, well, she saw a figure walk by, walk by the, the, uh, the doorway to the wardroom and uh, she looked at him and she said, did you see that? And he was just kind of staring at the door, and and what she saw was a full-body figure walking past the past the doorway. What he saw was more of a shadow figure that stopped, looked into the doorway, and then moved off. And so they both got up, went out different doors, heading towards the bow of the ship, which, being the bow, of course, comes to a point. And they met at the bow, and there was there was absolutely nobody there. There was nowhere they could have gone. So I think it's another case of somebody was trying to get their attention. Um, somebody was trying to lead them somewhere, but but then where where they're trying to lead them to, I I don't know. They haven't they haven't figured that one out yet. Uh, Pat Connors, I believe the night his. Uh paranormal team member saw the ghost dog he was operating a spirit box have you heard any interesting evps uh, or any ghost voices caught on tape from the salem they have gotten some really really good uh evps there was one one night it wasn't from the spirit box it was on a regular recorder they were going to investigate in the uh, surgery room but one of the doors that they normally go in was closed, and they were trying to figure out 
how, how are we going to get in? Um, and, you know, so while they were working on it, one of the investigators was running a recorder and she, she didn't hear anything at the time, but after going back and, and listening to the recording again, right after they say, well, how are we going to get in there? There's the voice of a young girl, probably like um, 10, 11 years old, I think. All of a sudden, in a very fast voice says, how do we get there? And I got to tell you, it is probably the clearest EVP I've ever heard. It, it was really amazing. I guess what they call a grade A EVP. Uh, yeah, grade A or class A. Yeah. Class A, I mean, right. Yeah. I mean, it was very clear, very loud, no no question at all as to what it says. Did she have a, was, a Greek accent? Um, just wondering whether she may have been from I, the Ionian mission. I've never heard that she had an accent. Uh, I mean, it doesn't sound like it to me on, on the uh, recording. And we'll see another, another EVP they got one night um, up in the uh, captain's quarters, they they got an EVP of the captain complaining about his leg. He just says, "My leg," and it is also another very clear, clear EVP. No question about what that one says. Do we know who the captain was? I don't know which one that was. In, in ten years, the ship had ten different captains. Oh, is that right? Interesting. Yeah. I, I understand that's normal. I, I didn't realize it, but I understand the, uh, well, it was back then, maybe. Uh, each captain would only uh, be on the ship for a year. So in 10 years, they did have 10 different captains. So which one it was, I don't know. I don't think they know. How about for you uh, personally, Willie? What have you witnessed or experienced aboard the USS Salem? Well, mostly what I what I got um, myself. Well, all of the crew, uh, the film crew, we all heard uh, disembodied footsteps walking around uh, during the filming, and we also heard it. I was there one night with uh, with Don and the crew doing an investigation. Well, actually, I was filming, but they were investigating, so I stopped in with them for a few minutes, and we all heard. Uh, footsteps running across the deck upstairs, up above. And, of course, uh, this was at night, so it was dark. And if you've ever been on the Salem, you know that if you tried to run up on that deck, you would probably kill yourself. And Because you'd, know you'd was trip over up. something or you'd fall. Ex- exactly, yeah. There's, uh, I mean, you have to know the ship really well to even, even walk up there without a flashlight at night to, and to run. And this, this has been heard many times, and I actually, you know, I witnessed it that night myself. And we knew there was nobody up there, so after we heard it, I, I left that room, and I started walking down the, down the uh, corridor, and I ran into a couple of other investigators who said, did you, did you hear the footsteps? And I said, yeah, it was coming from up on deck. And they said, no, the footsteps uh, came from where you just came from. And so they heard them too, but to them it was in a different place, which I, I thought was very strange. But a number of people have heard them. Um, crew members have seen black shadows going across the uh, corridors. Uh, we, we witnessed uh, strange mists. Um, uh, a strange mist, explain. Where did you see it? Like, what, what was it like? 
Uh, it was like in, in one of the coyotes. Um, it was like a white, uh, just a, a white foggy kind of mist that started from one side, one side of the coyote, and and just kind of drifted over to the other side and then disappeared. Very very strange. Any reports of equipment malf- malfunctioning on board the ship? Maybe your recording equipment. I personally didn't have any problem with it, but of course, any any paranormal place you're going to run across uh, battery drains and equipment malfunctions. That is just just part of the de- part of the deal. Happens all the time, you know. Do you ever get the sense when you're on the USS Salem that you're you're being watched? I uh, personally haven't had that myself, but uh, there are other people that have one of the uh, one of the volunteers on the ship. He uh, actually he's uh, he was a uh, a marine and he was actually stationed on the ship, um, and he was there during the. Uh, The, the Lebanon crisis, but anyway, now he's uh, he's a volunteer on the ship, and he was he was walking down um, down below in the uh, berthing area one time, and he heard a voice uh, call his name, said John, and of course he looked around and uh, there was nobody around. He was the only one on the ship, but he describes he says he often gets the feeling that uh, you're not alone on the ship, even when there's nobody around. He, he feels like people are, somebody is watching you. And you just get that, uh, you know, that tingling, hair raising on your neck and arms. Um, another one of the volunteers was walking down towards the, uh, the rear of the ship one night. And about, well, just a few feet ahead of him, he saw, saw a figure, saw a person standing there. And the person looked at him, they uh, they made eye contact, and he said he, he got the feeling that this this guy was just thinking like, well, what do you want? And then he turned and silently walked down a, a set of stairs and, and disappeared. And there was no again there was nobody else on the ship at the time. He said it didn't scare him. He, it just intrigued him. And he says the same thing. He just always feels like like uh, you're just being watched. So tell me about the butter room uh, that was turned into the temporary morgue during the Ionian earthquake uh, earthquake crisis. What is a butter room exactly? Well, it's exactly what the name says. Uh, that's where they used to store the butter. Um, you know, it was down in the, uh, the storage area where they kept the food, and that particular room was the butter room. And the the story is that they used that as a makeshift morgue because, you know, I mean, butter room, it's cold. So, you know, the perfect place to put bodies, but I'm, I'm not sure if there was any truth to that or not. I've, I've heard that, it, that that's just a story. Um, but we do know that there were, there were bodies on the ship. I, I don't know if they were stored in the butter room. I think they were actually in the birthing area up above that. So that, that may just be a story. How do people screen your documentary, Soul of the Sea Witch? Okay, well, you can go to uh, YouTube, and if you just type in Soul of the Sea Witch, you should find it. 
If you don't find it that way, by any chance, uh, you can uh, type in Spirit Radio, The Paranormal Experience, which was a uh, radio show that myself and Lynn Nickerson did for about six years. We're on hiatus right now. And so there's a lot of episodes on there on YouTube. So either way, if you type in either one of those, you should get to Soul of the Sea Witch. Willie, it was a real pleasure uh, speaking with you. Thank you so much for this. Oh, thank you, Richard. It was a pleasure talking to you, and thank you for having me on. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back in a flash with a few words about an upcoming episode. What can I say about ESS-60 I haven't already said? It's a miracle in a bottle. ESS-60 is pure carbon-60. And carbon-60 is a miracle molecule that earned its discoverers a Nobel Prize in chemistry. I've been taking a tablespoon of ESS-60 for my friends at C60 Evo every morning for nearly a year. What a difference it's made in my life. It delivers better health, mental clarity, and immune support. I'm pain-free, energized, and I'm sleeping better than I have in decades. ESS-60 from C60 Evo is a powerful antioxidant, 172 times more powerful than vitamin C. It's a known antiviral, antibacterial, and anti-inflammatory remedy that really works. And now you can experience C60 Evo's new Advanced Facial Serum the groundbreaking new anti-aging formula that incorporates ESS-60 plus 21 organic, natural, and vegan ingredients. This luxuriant formulation is specifically blended to soften and heal your skin. Put it on at night, enjoy the subtle rosemary essence, and awaken to noticeably softer skin. To get your ESS-60 and C60's new advanced facial serum, go to episode notes for this podcast and click on the C60 Evo link. And don't forget to use the code RS1SPEC, RS1SPEC, for 5% off. These products have not been evaluated by the FDA and are not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure. If you have a medical concern, please consult your healthcare provider. Coming up next time, Steve Harris, the author of America's Secret History, returns once again to discuss the deep state's role in 9-11. February 14th, 2002, maybe six months after 9-11, the Israeli newspaper columnist Yuri Haverni notes that the current map of Afghanistan shows that U.S. air bases built since the attack are identical to the projected route of the oil pipeline. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.